Our text this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Christians at Ephesus. He writes in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is... Have to really get the full meaning and the full importance and the full measure of that passage. We need to also look at the context. So what I would like for us to do is read the first of Ephesians chapter 2. He says, And you, you brethren at Ephesus, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus under good works that God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. My friends, there is no subject that we should be more interested in than the grace of God. Grace means favor. And all of our material blessings that we enjoy or expressions of the favor and the grace and the mercy of God toward man. The sun that brightens our life, the rain that cools, the breezes of the summer, the food we eat, the water we drink, all of those could correctly be labeled the grace of God toward man. For God's grace in this material world, we should be especially grateful. But this morning, I want us to focus on the grace of God in the realm of things that are spiritual. You see, we, you and I, we are saved by grace. And our text this morning declares that fact in unmistakable terminology. More than that, there are numerous other scriptures that could be mentioned that teach exactly the same truth. Without the grace of God, we would be eternally condemned to the fires of an eternal hell. So yes, we thank God for His wonderful goodness to us. Because it's through the bountiful grace of the God of heaven 
that we can escape the fate of the lost. It's because of God's grace we can find peace and rest in the realm of the blessed. When you get right down to it, eternity is going to be way, way too short to praise God for His unspeakable gift. The fact that you and I are saved by grace is too clearly taught in this book to ever be questioned by anyone. If we accept the Bible as the divine Word of God, and we do, then we realize that no one will ever be saved and no one can be saved except by grace. But then that begs the question, will everyone to whom God's grace is offered be saved? In thinking about how to be saved, is grace the only thing that should concern us? If that's the case, then everyone is going to be saved. Because here's what Paul said in Titus 2 and verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared unto all men. Well, notice the grace that's appeared to all men is the grace that brings salvation, not the grace that brings blessings in the material world. And yet, the Bible clearly states that there are going to be those that are going to be lost. Because Jesus said in Mark 16 and verse 16, He that believeth not shall be condemned. So from that passage, we see that belief or faith has something to do with my salvation, with our salvation. Well, go back to our text in Ephesians 2 and verse 8. What did Paul say? For by grace are you saved through faith. The text suggests something right on the very surface. And that is that there are two sides to the salvation of my soul and yours. There is God's side and there is man's side. There is God's part and there is man's part. There's God's part and there's my part. God's wonderful, redeeming, saving grace is accepted by our faith. And we have access by faith into that grace. And that's exactly what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5 and verse 2. God's grace. God's grace is freely given for the entire world. It is capable of saving every person who has ever lived or ever will live upon this earth. But, there's a caveat. Only those who accept God's grace through faith are going to be saved. Remember, by grace through faith. It's grace that saves. No doubt about it. But faith is the means by which grace is reached. 
Grace saves. Faith applies grace to us. Think about it this way. Food satisfies hunger. But it takes eating to apply that food. And obviously some of us have made a greater application of that through the years than others have. But food satisfies hunger, but we have to eat to apply that food to our hunger. Water quenches thirst, but it only quenches the thirst of the person who drinks the water. I can drink, Leon's thirsty, and I can drink two gallons of water, and Leon's still going to be thirsty. Because he's the one. Water satisfies thirst, but only for the person who drinks the water. So grace saves my soul. But it only saves the soul of the person who applies that grace by faith. By grace are you saved through faith. Salvation. Salvation is God's gift to man. But it is not an unconditional gift. Life is God's gift. But it is given through our eating and drinking and caring for our body. Sight is a gift from God. But we see by opening our eyes. Salvation is a gift. And we receive that gift by faith. We don't have to worry about God's part. We don't have to worry about God's grace. It's here. It's here for everybody. God's part in our salvation, God's part in our redemption has been perfectly done. Any failure is going to be a failure on our part. A failure of our faith. How are we saved by faith? What kind of faith does it take to reach God's grace? Well, one thing for sure, it's not a dead faith. Because James tells us that faith, if it has not works, is dead being alone. That's in James chapter 2 and verse 17. And John tells us in John chapter 12 and verse 42, that many of the chief rulers in the synagogue of Jesus' day, who believed in Him, but they wouldn't confess Him, because they loved the praise of men more than they loved the praise of God. Those people had faith, my friends. They believed. But I'm sure they were not saved. Have you ever read James chapter 2 and verse 10? James chapter 2 and verse 10 tells us that even the devils believe. And yet I know they're not saved. So we have to ask a question. What kind of faith must we have to avail ourselves of the grace of God? Paul teaches us in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6 that the faith that avails is the faith that works by love. So then certainly, when the apostle who said faith works by love says we're saved by grace through faith. The same apostle made both statements. 
So therefore he meant a working faith. So if you put all of these truths from the Bible together, we come to the conclusion that men and women are saved by God's grace through exercising a living, loving, working faith. I'm going to say this. One of the most dangerous things that men and women do is to speculate about the Word of God. If we take the Bible as one complete whole, it's the best commentary on the Bible to be found. Now, as any of you who have ever walked in my office know, you can walk in my office and I've got multiple different sets of commentaries on the Bible. Things that different men have written about the Word of God. But with all of those different commentaries and all those different sets of commentaries that I have, this book is the best commentary on itself that you will ever find. We can't take and cherry pick Scripture and pick up a verse here and, and a verse there and a verse somewhere else. If you do, you end up like the guy that said, well, he determined that he was going to just let his Bible fall open. And whatever it said there and whatever passage of Scripture his eyes landed on, that's what he was going to do. So he took his Bible and he opened it up and his eyes landed on the page and it said Judas went out and hanged himself. Now, I don't think I'm going to do that. So he closed his Bible and he opened it again. And he looked and the Scripture said, Go thou and do likewise. He said, I'm not too crazy about that. So he closed up his Bible and he opened it again and his eyes landed on the page. And it said, whatsoever thou doest, doest quickly. We can't cherry pick Scripture, folks. We've got to take this book as one complete whole. Anytime we take a passage of Scripture out of God's Word, we have to take the full context that goes with that Scripture. Because if you take a scripture out of context, it becomes a pretext. Scripture has to be read in the light of what other passages in the Bible have to say on that same subject. We don't need to conjecture. We don't need to speculate. We don't even need to wonder what Paul means about being saved by grace through faith. Because he's writing to the church at Ephesus. And we actually have this recorded for us. We have this recorded for us in the church at Ephesus. We have it illustrated in the salvation of the people of Ephesus. Remember Paul's writing to those Christians in Ephesus in our text. And to those Christians in Ephesus, he said, For by grace are you saved through faith. If we can learn what the people in Ephesus did in being saved, then we know exactly what Paul means by that statement. We'll know exactly what it means to be saved by grace through faith. If you turn to the Ephesian letter, again in chapter 1, and look at what Paul said in there in verse 13. He said, 
in whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So we learned that the people of Ephesus heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wait a minute, big boy. You just said that by grace we're saved through faith. That's exactly right. But we conclude that in being saved by grace through faith, the brethren in Ephesus, the people of Ephesus, heard the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They heard the sweet old story of Jesus and His love, how God sent Him from His throne in heaven to earth to live among men and die. The same verse also tells us the Ephesians believed in Christ. So therefore what we conclude is that in being saved by grace through faith, we've got to believe in Jesus Christ. Now turn with me back over to the Acts of the Apostles in the 20th chapter. Because there in the 20th chapter of Acts, Paul has called the elders of the church at Ephesus to meet him at the seacoast city of Miletus. And he's recounting the work with those elders of of what he did while he was among them in Ephesus. And as he's recounting his work in verse 21, he says, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. So what does that tell us? That the people of Ephesus, hearing the sweet old story of Jesus and His love, were taught to repent. But they were saved by grace through faith. Yes. Hence, in being saved by grace through faith, men and women must repent. In Acts chapter 19 and verse 18, You read a little bit more about the people of Ephesus. You read there, many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. So we conclude that being saved by grace through faith, in doing that, confession is made. In the first few verses of Acts chapter 19, you see the book of Acts is... I like to call it that book that was written when the church was young. It tells us about the beginning of the church in the first century. It's a history book. And in Acts chapter 19, in the first few verses there, we read of the beginning of the church at Ephesus. And the fifth verse says, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So to these same people, Paul wrote in the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians in his letter, there's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. That's Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 5. Now remember, he's talking to the same people. All this time he's talking to the same people who were saved by grace through faith. Based on all these facts and taking all of these scriptures in their proper context, and letting them all apply to the people of Ephesus. Are we not safe in concluding that in being saved by grace through faith, 
Baptism was one of the things that had to take place. There's a point here that I want to make, and I'm anxious to make it perfectly clear. I've been told sometimes I don't do that. But I want us to understand it. The Word of God says the people at Ephesus were saved by grace through faith. But then the Word of God tells us what those people did in being saved. They heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. They believed in Christ. They repented of sin in their life. They confessed Christ. And they were baptized. All of those things were done by the people of Ephesus. They were saved by grace through faith. But if those are the things that they did in being saved by grace through faith, is that not the way to be saved by grace through faith? Since God's gift of grace is offered to all men and all women, if an individual today does the same things that those people in Ephesus did, wouldn't they also be saved by grace through faith? Remember what I said about the Bible being its own best commentary on itself. The Bible is its own best interpreter. Personally, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of man interpretations I'm afraid of men and women and their interpretations of God's word I can actually look back at sermons I preached 49 years ago right after I'd first started preaching I can look at sermons I preached it's been, it's been 54 years since I started doing this so I've done it once or twice in fact I've looked at sermons I preached for those good brethren at Karnak, Texas back when I was a boy preacher Back 1970 and 71, those people paid me the princely sum of $25 a week to come preach on Sunday morning twice and teach a Bible class. I've looked at some of those sermons. I should have been paying them $50 to listen to that. But I can look back at sermons I preached 49, 50 years ago and I said, I said that? I'm afraid of what men and women interpret in the Bible and what men and women have to say in the Bible. And I hope and I think and I trust that we can see that on this subject right here, we have allowed the Bible to interpret itself. I think we can see. We've allowed Paul to tell us exactly what he means about being saved by grace through faith. We also know this about God from Acts chapter 10 verse 34. God is no respecter of persons. Because of that, we know that if that's the way God saved those people in Ephesus, that's the way God will save everybody who's being saved. Now it's interesting that in stressing what an individual must do to be saved, I've not forgotten something. You thought I had. I have not forgotten that we are not saved by our own righteousness. Because our text that we read a few moments ago, it said, by grace are you saved through faith. 
And that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There is no work that an individual can do that will merit salvation. There is nothing that you can do or I can do that will ever merit salvation. You will never make enough liver and noodle casserole to take the sick people to earn your way to heaven. We can never earn enough attaboys or girls to go to heaven. It won't happen. If we earned our way, it wouldn't be by God's grace or God's favor. But what we have done is we've allowed the Apostle Paul to tell us exactly what the Ephesians did in being saved by grace through faith. The words that the prophet Isaiah spoke will always be true. He said, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. Isaiah 64 and verse 6. The Bible makes a distinction between man's righteousness and the righteousness of God. Here's what Paul said of the Israelites of his day. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. Romans 10 verse 3. And we must understand to do what God commands us to do is not to depend upon our own works. Jesus Himself said in John chapter 6 and verse 29, For man to believe is a work of God. So while to believe is an act of man, it's declared by Jesus to be a work of God. And that's true of anything that God has commanded. So we must not confuse mankind's works of self-righteousness with obedience to the commands that God has laid out for us. To obey God's commands in order to be saved and be saved by God's grace is in no sense depending upon our own righteousness. I read a story about an old Indian preacher one time that gave a beautiful illustration of salvation by grace. It was in the fall of the year and he was preaching outside. Standing in the woods, he raked the leaves from a spot in the ground, leaving nothing but bare earth. And in that bare place, as he raked the leaves away, there was a bug crawling around. The old Indian preacher set fire to the leaves that were all around this bare spot of ground. The bug by himself couldn't get out. The bug would have had to have walked into the fire and been burned. The old Indian reached and got a stick and held a stick in his hand. And he placed one end of that stick near the bug. When he did, the bug crawled up on the stick. And the Indian lifted him out. The old Indian preacher said, Me save bug by grace. You and I were lost in sin. We can't get out. But God hands us the gospel. We've got to take hold of the gospel of Jesus Christ just like that bug took hold of that stick. Yeah, it's a crude illustration. But it's 100% correct. You and I were lost in sin and we can't save and could not save ourselves. But from the glorious heights of heaven, God sent His Son 
His only Son to earth. And He brought with Him the means of salvation. And the Son of God, Jesus Christ, pleads for lost men and lost women to come to Him to be saved. That's God's grace. Brought to us by heaven's greatest love and heaven's greatest sacrifice. And when we respond to God's love and God's grace the same way the Ephesians did, we're going to be saved just like they were. And we can sing, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. It's the Lord's invitation as we stand and while we sing.